Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Mutants are cool, right? X-Men, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and superheroes across comic books and films wow us with the special powers that have been derived from their genetic mutations. However, these fictional genetic mutations are kind of hard to come by. You have to have been bitten by a radioactive spider or exposed to some weird substance. But what if doing genetic modifications wasn't just easy, but fast and cheap, too? We're a long way from creating superheroes, but a new technology called CRISPR is making editing the genes of life forms like crops, livestock, and pests a lot easier. Short for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats, a CRISPR makes it possible for us to move genes from any living thing into another one, altering DNA for generations to come. It allows us to cut away genes that are doing terrible things, like those that cause disease, and replace them with segments of DNA that are innocuous. Or we could replace innocuous segments of DNA with genes that make corn or cattle more disease-resistant, lessening the need to spray or administer antifungals or antibiotics. We might make yeast or algae colonies that are really good at producing biofuel that we could use to offset our dependence on fossil fuels. While CRISPR technology is pretty awesome, humans genetically modifying different organisms is nothing new. On the low-tech side, we've been selectively breeding crops for a long time. When farmers stumbled on a particularly juicy orange or a brightly colored tomato, they preserved those desirable genes by collecting seeds or grafts from that plant. But in recent years, we've kicked biotechnology up a notch. In the early 2000s, scientists figured out how to use enzymes called zinc finger nucleases to delete and replace specific genes in a variety of organisms. These zinc finger enzymes, however, were expensive, hard to make, and the success rate was not optimal. So, while the technology to edit genes was there, it wasn't until CRISPR came along that the idea of deliberately changing an organism's DNA felt within grasp. The first inroad toward CRISPR technology appeared in a 1987 journal article where scientists reported having found short repeating segments of DNA in E. coli bacteria. This type of pattern in bacterial DNA is unusual, so they perked up when they noticed it and named the phenomenon CRISPR. Over time, scientists started seeing this pattern in many different types of bacteria, but there was still no hypothesis for what it was and why it was there. But in 2005, a search in a DNA database showed that the repeating segments in bacteria matched DNA from viruses. But why would bacteria have harbored away virus DNA? A scientist Eugene Koonin hypothesized that when bacteria survive a virus attack, they cut up the virus into small pieces and store some of the virus DNA in their own genome so that they can later recognize and attack the virus if they happen to meet it again. They're basically storing a picture of the virus in their back pocket so that they can recognize the bad guy if he ever shows his face again a remarkable defense mechanism of the bacterial immune system. Kunin's hypothesis was right. If that virus hits again, the bacteria manufacture special assassins. These assassins can read the DNA sequence of any virus DNA they run into, recognize it if it matches the information they've stored in their DNA, 
And if they do, they'll trap it and chop it up. It's as if the bacteria has created very specific, very smart scissors. This discovery was pretty cool, but not as cool as what University of California Berkeley scientist Jennifer Doudna thought to do with the information. She has since won the 2020 Nobel Prize in Chemistry, along with Emmanuel Charpentier, for their work on CRISPR. Doudna suggested that scientists could use CRISPR as a tool to help them edit genes. If they equipped the bacteria with a segment of DNA that is known to be bad, say a gene that causes heart failure, they could send the bacteria in to seek out the bad gene, where the bacteria would find it and clip it out. And then we could take advantage of the natural repair mechanism in the bacterial cells to throw a more desirable gene in its place. It worked, and it kept working. A CRISPR has stopped cancer cells from multiplying, made cells impervious to HIV, helped us create disease-resistant wheat and rice, and countless other advances. In 2015, scientists even attempted to use the technology on non-viable human embryos, but in only a few cases did CRISPR make the right cuts to the DNA. But this begs the question, do we even want to use it on embryos? Should we be allowed to? Who will regulate the use of CRISPR? These questions are very much still unsettled, and we're still a long ways from using CRISPR on growing humans. But the scientific community has these and other concerns firmly in mind. International ethics panels have convened to discuss the issues, and even Doudna herself warned against jumping into in-womb applications for CRISPR anytime soon, given the great risks and unknown consequences of editing a human embryo's genetic code. For now, CRISPR is contained mostly to laboratory experiments that are doing much less potentially sinister things like attempting to engineer spicy tomatoes, uh, decaffeinated coffee beans, and cattle that won't grow horns, meaning they won't have to have those horns removed later in life as a safety measure. But all of that is a matter for another episode. Today's episode is based on the article How CRISPR Gene Editing Works on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Mesa Salida. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.